Hello, everybody. How are we? We are back with story time. Yes, we are. Because clearly Black History Month wasn't enough of just cleaning my glasses. I'm sorry I'm a bit late as well, guys. Apologies a little bit late. We had uh, some technical issues to uh, get over, but we got over them and we are here. So why are we here, you're asking? You're like, Rem, Black History Month is over. It ended in... Uh, it ended it ended in october yes it did and i decided to, that i was going to continue to do one story a week because i really enjoyed telling stories and i know that so many of you got a lot out of the black history month stories so what i thought i would do is i would show up every week and do a story that is in alignment with my business as a startup business coach so i'm going to be telling you one business story each week and also it's going to be a story from the black community and i want to highlight the black entrepreneurs and the black business owners that you may never have heard of before who have been making waves and making a difference in the background but don't get the spotlight and the recognition that they deserve and they should have so those are the stories i'm going to be bringing to you once a week it's on brand it's on message and i hope you enjoy it so if you are here for the first time say hello in the comments i do put your comments on the screen sometimes come and say hi give me some love hearts leave some drop some comments whatever right if you're watching a replay, give me a hashtag replay so that I know that you've been here and you've seen this video. Um, so let's get into it. Tonight's story is about CJ Walker. I'm just trying to shut down some of these windows because uh, it makes my computer really slow. I haven't got the fastest computer in the world. So here we go. Let's open these up. Nice. So, yes, tonight's story is now she first thing i should tell you she's had a very interesting life right and there are loads that i could have shared with you tonight and what i've tried to do is edit the story down to tell you as much about the business side of her life and her entrepreneurial life than you know all the other bits that fill up somebody's life so in this video i'm going to be telling you as much as i can about how she became a self-made millionaire because i think that'd be really interesting to anyone else who's out there who's starting up their own business and is thinking about going down entrepreneurial routes i think that that is the juiciest part of this story so that's what i'm going to be sharing with you today and again if you are just jumping on say hello let me know where you're watching from and then I'll come back to the comments a little bit later. So let's get started. This is the story of Madam CJ Walker. Now, there is a Netflix show. Um, start of 2020, a Netflix show was created about her life. It's called Self Made. So if you want to learn a bit more about CJ Walker beyond this um, live video, go to Netflix and check out the Self Made series. I think it's one series. Anyway, let's get to it. So, Madam C.J. Walker, she was actually born Sarah Breedlove. That was her birth name. And she was born on December the 23rd, 1867. And she lived until May the 25th, 1919. 
She was an American entrepreneur, a philanthropist, political and social activist, and she is recorded as the first black female self-made millionaire in America. And this is in the Guinness Book of World Records. So you can see why <laughs> well, you see why this story I immediately was like, oh, I need to read about her because she sounds fabulous. First black female self-made millionaire. My glasses are absolutely filthy tonight. Just no matter how much I clean them, they just keep getting worse. Anyway. So Walker, she made her fortune by developing and marketing a line of cos cosmetics and hair care products for black women through the business that she founded, which was called the uh, Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company. She became known also for her philanthropy and activism. And she made financial donations to numerous organizations and she became a patron of the arts. Villa Loero which was Walker's lavish estate. And this was up in Irvington in New York. So she had a big estate that she bought and owned. And she used this place um, for social gatherings for the African-American community. And there's some great pictures. I didn't download those ones. Though. There's some great pictures of like loads of black people on this really posh estate. And so she obviously used it to give back and to support her local community. And at the time of her death, she was considered the wealthiest African-American businesswoman and wealthiest self-made black woman in America. Now, her name, the CJ Walker, was a version of Mrs. Charles Joseph Walker. And she renamed herself to this after the marriage to her third husband. Now, let me tell you a little bit about her early years. In 1888, Madam C.J. Walker and her daughter, they moved to St. Louis, where three of her brothers lived. And she found work as a laundress and she, uh, she was earning barely more than a dollar a day. And she was determined to make enough money to provide a, um, a formal education for her daughter. So she's earning like a buck a day and she was like, I can do better than this. You know, like I want to, I want my daughter to have a good life. I want her to be educated. I can do better than this. Now, as was common among black women in, of her era, Sarah suffered severe dandruff and other scalp, scalp ailments, including baldness, and this was due to skin disorders and the application of harsh products to cleanse her hair and to and to wash her clothes. And there were other contributing factors to her hair loss, which included poor diet, illnesses and infrequent bathing and hair washing during a time when most Americans lacked indoor plumbing, central heating and electricity. So there were all these contributing factors that ended up with her starting to have scalp issues dandruff, losing hair, all of these other things, right? And so initially, Sarah learned about hair care from her brothers because they were barbers in St. Louis. And around the time of the um, Louisiana Purchase Exposition, which was a world fair in St. Louis in 1904, she became at this fair, this sort of, I guess, like a big exhibition or a trade show, she became a commissioning agent and she was selling products for Annie Malone. Now, Annie Malone 
was an an African-American hair care entrepreneur, also another millionaire, and owner of the Porro Company. And sales at this sort of expo, this trade show, were a disappointment since the African-American community was largely ignored. So while she was working for Annie Malone, who would later become Walker's largest rival in the hair care industry, Sarah began, while she was working for Annie Malone, to take all of this new knowledge that she had learned, and she started to develop her own product line. And some of you might be like, well, that's a bit shady. You know what I mean? Like you work if somebody else kind of come on, steal their ideas and then like take it off as your own. Or some of you might just see it as quite entrepreneurial. Like, okay, so I'm in your business. I see what you're doing. Maybe I can do it better. <laughs> Maybe that's what she thought. Who knows? I wasn't there. Um, so, Find, find my place. So yeah, so Annie Malone would end up becoming Walker's largest rival in the hair care industry. So she took her new knowledge and started to develop her own product line. In July 1905, when she was 37 years old, Sarah and her daughter moved to Denver, Colorado, where she continued to sell these products for Annie Malone and she continued to develop and create her own hair care business. And a controversy developed between Annie Malone and Sarah because Malone was now accusing Sarah of stealing her formula, which was essentially a mixture of petroleum jelly and sulfur that had been in use for like a hundred years prior to this. So following her marriage to Charles Walker in 1906, Sarah then became known as Madam C.J. Walker, and she marketed herself as an independent hairdresser and retailer of cosmetic creams. And the Madam bit that she's known as, this was adopted from women pioneers of the French beauty industry. So she obviously looked over to France, was like, oh, Madame, that's very regal. I might use that. So she started calling herself Madame. And the CJ Walker was because of her husband's, her husband's name. So she used his initials and became Madame CJ Walker. Her husband, um, who was also her business partner, provided advice on advertising and promotion. And Sarah started to sell her products door to door. And she also was teaching other black women how to groom and to style their hair. And then a year later in 1906, or was that later in 1906? Might be later in 1906. Walker put her daughter in charge of the mail order side of her business. So she left her daughter in charge of running the business, like postal orders, um, in Denver, while she and her husband went off and they traveled throughout the southern and the eastern um, parts of United States of America to expand their business. And then two years later, in 1908, Walker and her husband relocated to Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, where they opened a beauty parlor and established Lelia College. And this was a college that they set up, and it was there to train hair colorists um, 
on how to cut and color hair. As an advocate of black women's economic independence, she also opened training programs uh, in what she called the Walker system for her national network of licensed sales agents who all earned really healthy commissions. So she was laying the foundation. She's opened up a college where she can train people and she um, is starting to run her own training programs and she's training up people to go out and sell her products and to teach people how to use the products and how to look after their hair. So she's building very gradually and very sustainably and sensibly her business empire. And then after she closed the business in December in 1907, in 1907, Alalia, that's the daughter, she ran the day-to-day -day operations from Pittsburgh. And in 1910, Walker established a new base. So she moved the business to Indianapolis. And Alalia, the daughter, she also persuaded her mum to establish an office and another beauty salon in New York City, New York City's growing Harlem neighborhood in 1913. And this neighborhood, it became a center of African-American culture moving on from then. So she kind of laid the groundwork for Harlem. In 1910, CJ Walker relocated her business to Indianapolis, where she established the headquarters for the Madam CJ Walker Manufacturing Company. And she initially purchased a house and a factory at 614 Northwest Street. And Walker later built a factory, a hair salon, and a beauty school to train her sales agents. And she also added a laboratory to help with further research of her hair care products. She also assembled a staff that included uh, Freeman Ransom, Robert Lee Brokenberg, Alice Kelly and Majori Jorna, among others, to assist in managing the growing company. So her company's growing and now she has to take on people to help her manage what is happening because there are now all these different wings and arms to this, this uh, hair care and, and beauty empire that she's built. And it goes on to say here that many of her company's employees, including those that were up in the key management and the staff positions, most of those, they were women. Oh yes, CJ, a woman after my Anne Hart. I love, I love how she's built this business, but has also supported her own community, has helped women to transform their lives, give them an income to become more educated and just to take a bit of control of their own life. This is all the things that CJ Walker was putting out into the community. It wasn't just about her, her needs and her making as much money as possible. It was about really making a difference in her community in the black community and in, in the lives of women. God, I love this woman. Between 1911 and 1919, this was during the height of her career, CJ Walker and her company employed several thousand women as sales agents for its products. And by 1917, the company claimed to have trained nearly 20,000 women. 
I mean, that's legacy right there, isn't it? And they were all dressed in characteristic uniform of they had white shirts and black skirts and they all carried their black satchels as they visited houses around the United States and in the Caribbean and they were offering CJ Walker's hair hair pomade and other products um, packaged in tin containers carrying CJ Walker's images. I've got a photo actually, let me find a photo that I can show you on the screen of um there we go that's over me <coughs> so there's a picture of her wonderful hair grower products that she made from the cj walker got another picture as well here we go here's a picture of her driving her car that's such a badass picture look at it with her little crew in their posh hats she's like ah, i'm the boss i'm the boss look at me driving my car freaking love it cj walker killing the game right here we go so uh yeah she trained nearly twenty thousand women so what that is amazing uh, literally goals and aspirations for me right here to train twenty thousand women that would be amazing um dressed in characteristic uh, uniform white i said that bit tonight white shirts black skirts satchels they visited houses in America and the Caribbean, and they were selling the products door to door, essentially. Now, CJ Walker understood the power of advertising and brand awareness and heavy advertising, primarily in African-American newspapers and magazines. In addition to uh, CJ Walker's frequent travels to promote her products, all of this, it helped to make CJ Walker and her products well-known in the United States. And in addition to uh, training in sales and grooming, what she did, um, she showed other black women how to budget, how to build their own businesses and encourage them to become financially independent. I mean, can we just, I think about my own mission, what I'm trying to do in my business and it's so relatable to everything that CJ Walker done. Like it's, it's, it's just totally a piece of me. <laughs> in 1917, inspired by the model of the National Association of Colored Women, CJ Walker began organizing her sales agents into uh, state and local clubs. And the result was the establishment of the National Beauty Culturist and Benevolent Association of Madam CJ Walker Agents, which was the predecessor to Madam CJ Walker Beauty Culturist Union of America. And its first annual conference, it convened in Philadelphia during the summer of 1917, and over 200 people attended this conference. Now, this is a really important point. The conference is believed to have been among the first, the very first national gatherings of women entrepreneurs to discuss business and commerce. She created the first national gathering of women entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, to discuss business and commerce. And you think about where we are now, I mean, just incredible. So she was one of the first to get this gathering of people together. Amazing. During the convention, uh, Walker gave prizes to women who sold the most products and brought in the most new sales agents. And she also rewarded those who had uh, made the largest contributions to charities 
in their communities. So she's now not only training them, educating them, giving them a job, giving them an income, showing them how to budget, showing them how to start their own business, but she's now rewarding them as well for those of them that are showing up and doing the work and are, are making a difference in their communities, in their own homes, with their children. Like, she's like, hey, if it's almost like an Oprah moment of like, oh, you get a prize and you get a prize. No, you get a prize. Like, yes, this is what, we need so much more of this in the black community and in, and in the female community. We need more women uplifting other women. Like, that's what we need. We need it, guys. We need it. Walker's name became even more widely known by the 1920s and after her death. Um, and, and this was as her company's business market expanded. So now it expanded beyond America and it went to Cuba, Jamaica, Haiti, Panama, Costa Rica. So Walker's brand and her name just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So we're going to wrap up now and talk about um, her death and her legacy. So CJ Walker died on May the 25th, 1919 from kidney failure and complications of hypertension. And this was at the age of 51. I mean, so young, right? So young. At the time of her death, Walker was considered to be worth between half a million and a million dollars. She was the wealthiest African-American woman in America. And according to Walker's obituary in the New York Times, she said, oh, this, is, this, is, this is the quote, she said herself two years ago in 1917 that she was not yet a millionaire, but hoped to be sometime. Not that she wanted the money for herself, but for the good that she could do with it. So that was part of the obituary in the New York Times. And it really speaks to the type of person she was, that it wasn't about her becoming a millionaire for her so that she could have luxuries and all the nice things. It was about what she could do with that money to make an impact on others. And there, I think, is the greatest lesson from this, uh, from this story time tonight. The obituary also noted that the same year, her 250,000 mansion was completed at the banks of, of the Hudson at Irvington, which means she cleared off her house and paid for all of that. And her daughter, Alalia Walker, became the president of the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company after C.J. Walker died. So her daughter took over. Now, C.J. Walker's personal papers are preserved at the Indiana Historic Society in Indianapolis, her legacy also continues through two properties that she left behind, and they are listed on the National Register of Historic Places. So Villa Luaro in Irvington, New York, which was that big estate that she bought that she really used for the African-American community. So that place is now on the National Register of Historic Places. And also, um, my eyes have gone all funny. And the Madam Walker Theatre Centre in Indianapolis. Villa Luaro was sold following her daughter's death to a fraternal organisation called the 
Companions of the Forest in America in 1932. And the house was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1979. The National Trust for Historic Preservation was, so has designated the privately owned property a national treasure. So it's gonna keep, it's gonna keep standing. Her, um, her headquarters, her offices in Indianapolis, they were renamed and that building was renamed. So it was originally, um, yeah, it just says Indianapolis's Walker Manufacturing Company headquarters building was renamed the Madam Walker Theatre Center, which uh, opened in December of 1927. And it included the company's offices and factory, as well as a theater, a beauty school, a hair salon, a, a barbershop, restaurant, drugstore, and a ballroom for the community to come in and use. And this building was also listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1980. So to bring this up to near modern day, on March the 4th, 2016, Sundial Brands, which um, are a skincare and a hair care company, they launched a collaboration with Sephora in honor of Walker's legacy. And the line that they brought out in 2016, um, they titled it Madam CJ Walker Beauty Culture. And this comprised of four collections and focused on the use of natural ingredients to care for different types of hair. So that was, so that was what, four years ago. And, and she died in 1919. So this would have been nearly 100 years 2016 this would have been yeah just shy three years shy of being a hundred years um since madam cj walker died 100 years later and they are recreating her products and her brand and still um talking about her legacy that's the impact that she had on the hair care and the beauty industry that's the story guys so as I said, there is a Netflix show about CJ Walker. If you are interested in knowing more, it's called Self Made on Netflix. You can go and check it out if you like. Let's have a drink. I found her to be incredibly um, inspiring and motivating um, and actually achieved a hell of a lot when you could think of the era in which she was operating and growing and launching her business, um, you know, slavery, segregation, all of that being black, where she was massively disadvantaged, yet was able to create uh, a, a flourishing business, but not just a flourishing business, she was also able to make a really great impact on the black community, um, on women, and created legacy. These are all things that I want to do. <laughs> so, yeah, I find reading stories like this really inspirational. And I hope you find them really inspirational too. I will continue to share a business story each week with you here on the thread. I'm going to also put this into the podcast. So if you're listening on podcast, hello and welcome. Uh but yeah, I hope you'll join me every Wednesday for a new black business story. 
um, of entrepreneurship or business startups or business growth, I guess, because this stuff really excites me and I hope it excites you too. So yeah, I'm going to wrap this one up now. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great evening. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome to the Startup Queen podcast. I'm Remy, a startup business coach and visibility strategist for startup businesses. I will help you build a powerful digital online business right out the gate. I help you reset your mindset and help you create that online course or that membership program, that freebie opt-in that you want to create or even that ebook that you've been meaning to write. My superpower is that I don't just tell you what to do, but I also show you how to do it. In these podcasts that are created for business startups, I hope that you'll get a taste of what it's like to work with me, the business startup queen. Now let's get to this week's episode.